Welcome to the Short Funk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay. I realize actually recording the edges of biology associated with forcing genetic mutation, or at least being at the point where large genetic mutations occur, or genetic mutations of particular note, that I probably also should talk about the nature of brain evolution, particularly in primates, associated with eating meat diets. And I do understand this in biological terms associated with how would one put it, probably exercising some predilection that the brain may already have or the brain over many individuals over much time already has, and almost in a kind of epigenetic fashion, feedback through eating of meat and the progress that the brain makes through this process. I mean, that way I kind of understand it. But the evolution into, or I guess over multiple primates, the ones that eat meat and the brain, you know, grows bigger and more complex and this kind of stuff. I mean, that is really a fascinating edge of biology kind of situation. I mean, perhaps traditional card-carrying biologists don't feel that way associated with it. But the notion that there is some kind of genetic biological feedback loop associated with certain specific things, like the eating of meat particularly for herbivores, a very curious thing. And the movement of, I don't know, there probably weren't even primates. They're probably prior to primates, you know, mouse-like creatures or whatever. I mean, was there some decision made just, you know, this meat stuff gave us a lot more energy, so let's just start consuming meat. The discussion associated with what makes a herbivore versus a carnivore and is there actually some point in time where a group of herbivores move over to eating meat, get some benefit from this, and then basically the lineage continues on eating meat? These kind of things in biology really fascinate me. These turning points in biology and what the role is associated with you know, genetics and biology and these kind of things, that certain decisions are made, certain you know, benefits are gained, and then these decisions are made ongoing. Plus, the genetics actually favours these decisions in some fundamental sense. With brain evolution for a period of time, I felt that there was a certain almost catch-22 in it, that the general discussion of evolutionary biology associated with brain evolution, the consumption of meat, there were certain like chicken-egg problems where the causation didn't strike me as immediately apparent. But describing it in the way that I have, that the biology here, the genetics, actually helps the circumstance. It's almost like, you know, eyes are useful, not because of any intrinsic property, but because of the evolutionary advantage that creatures have with eyes. And there are so many better ways that eyes could have been developed. We could have had almost like radar eyes. We could have had membranes like bats that conveyed space and these kind of things. But the benefits that eyes gave at various points indicated that this would be a favourable advantage. I mean, if you think about the complexity of an eye, to evolve an eye is an amazing thing over time, and the many possible iterations and failures. So to think of biology in its own way, independent of the universe, independent of the impact that the universe has, kind of isolationist, it always has to be taken purely in the environment, in terms of the benefit that it gives. This is important stuff from my perspective associated with the nature of simulation writing, because 
There's a problem in simulation writing associated with bounded complexity. Even if you have genetic algorithm-based computational biology, the, the boundaries will be defined by the simulation environment, and you'll find artificial boundaries effectively. That open-ended evolution, which is the term that the biologists like to use, is not possible in computer simulation because boundaries will be found through the computer environment, which means that you will never get to the points of open-ended evolution that are important. I've always found that view relatively defeatist, particularly in the age of the internet, the age of multi-threaded processing, this kind of stuff. My view actually is that if you make the environment the actual environment, be it a computer environment like the internet or these kind of things, you'll get a kind of evolution which is beyond bounded evolution in some regard. But it's down to the simulation authors to actually create these environments or alternatively allow these environments to develop. Fascinating thing, the biological world. Difficult to simulate. Trivial in some regard, but when you get to the boundaries, quite difficult. John Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.